You are listening to the Australian Breastfeeding Podcast, where everyday girls let you in on their breastfeeding journeys. And I will unpack all things breastfeeding. I'm your host, Susie Prout, a midwife and lactation consultant. Let's get into it. Hi, and welcome back to the Australian Breastfeeding Podcast. Today I have Ellie Anderson with me and Elle is a midwife here in Perth as well and you may have heard her on one of the previous podcasts where we spoke about tongue ties and because three out of her four kitties have had a tongue tie so you may have heard of her in there if not I have asked Elle to come and chat with me today because breastfeeding doesn't always go to plan Birth doesn't always go to plan and I guess life doesn't always go to plan. And Elle's got a really interesting and also hard story at times um, that she's going to very kind of her to come and chat with us about her experience with Ollie, her first bub, um, and now Jimmy, her fourth, having a chronic illness and how that all came about, how it affected her feeding in the neonatal intensive care unit and everything that goes around with that. So Elle, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, so let's go back to Ollie's pregnancy and how that Mm. went. And did you find out about his diagnosis then or how did it all come about? Yeah, so when I was pregnant with Ollie, everything was going well in the early days, but I just couldn't shake this feeling that something wasn't quite right. Like I didn't want to tell anyone I was pregnant until, I don't think I told anyone until about, 20 weeks. I just thought, going to lose the baby. I don't want to tell anyone, you know. Yeah. So then I went for my 19-week scan and everything was okay. And then two days later, this place phoned me, the radiology place phoned me and said, oh no, it was the GP, sorry. I said, you need to come in. Something is wrong with the baby's bowel on oh. your scan. And I'm being a nurse beforehand and working at the kids' hospital. I looked after kids with gastroschisis. Yes. So when their bowels were on the outside of their tummy. So that my brain instantly went to that and I thought, oh, my God. So I had to wait overnight to go to the GP. And (laughs) it was not nice. No. And I went in there and they said, your baby's got an echogenic bowel. And I said, what? What? I've never heard of it. And they said, oh, they'll explain it to you at King Edward at the hospital. And that was kind of that. So I went home and I was Googling. I was trying to work out what it was. I still didn't really know. I had to wait about two weeks to get into King Eddie's. Oh, my um, gosh. Yes. So I went in for the scan and they were so lovely. They said an echogenic bowel is when there's bright spots on your baby's bowel. So this could be blood in the bowel or, I don't know, like a blockage of meconium or we just don't know. So we just have to keep a close eye on. I said, it can happen for a few reasons. It can be, it's a soft marker for things like Down syndrome or something like cystic fibrosis, but that never happens. We've never diagnosed it here. It's so rare. Find it on ultrasound. It'll be fine. (laughs) Okay, like I feel better, still didn't feel great, but felt better. So then every few weeks I had to keep going to the hospital and having scans. And um, Ollie's bowel was in each scan, it was getting worse and worse. It was twisting on itself and looping around itself. So they said, no, now this is getting 
abnormal, we'll test you for CF to see if you've got the genes. So myself and Ian, my husband, we both had the blood test and it came back positive. We were both carriers of CF. Right. So then we said, that means now that your baby's got this bowel issue and your carriers, you've got a 50-50 chance of having a child with cystic fibrosis. So you can do an amnio and we can find out for sure. Right. So um, I had an amnio at 28 weeks. Wow. It was awful. Usually they yeah. do them quite a lot. Yeah. So yeah. like I had a pretty big belly yeah. and I had that done and we had to wait about a week or so and then they phoned me and said, um, yeah, it's come back. Your baby's got cystic fibrosis. So oh it must have been about, I don't know, 30 weeks or so. So it was just awful. And my background as a nurse, I had worked at the kids' hospital on the adolescent ward. So I was caring for heaps of kids with CF. And unfortunately, back when they were born, probably almost 30 years ago now, the treatment for CF was not what it is today. And lots of them um, were very unwell. And a few of our regular kids passed away when I was working there. So that was my view. Yes. And then I was thinking, I'm now having a baby with CF. Oh, it was just awful. Oh, um, my gosh. And then just also, it's just this shock because it's like, yeah, you've got, you've got this bowel thing, but it's probably fine. And then it was like, well, maybe it's yes. not. And then it's like, okay, actually, it's, you know, it's something. It's and then, yeah. And so were you just then going on Google or were you like, no, I'm going to stop going on Google because this is not helping me? Uh, like, how did you I, kind of get through the rest yeah. of the pregnancy? Yeah, so I did a little bit of Googling and the only thing that came up, well, there was like all the websites and things like that, but um, then there was a few blogs from people, but I suppose it's like with anything in life, you can either go really extreme or you can just take it in your stride and just get on with things. And some of the things I read were very extreme and there were kids that were really unwell and in different countries that don't have the care that we have. And I just kind of scarred myself to be honest. I yeah. just read things and I was like, I'm not going back there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I just got all my info. We ended up going to the kids hospital and meeting the team before Ollie was even born. Um, oh. Yeah. And meeting them and getting some like advice from them and things. Yeah. So yeah, we've been about 30 weeks. And at the time I was doing my final like stint in labor ward as I was training as a midwife. Oh. So And then I had to go to special care as well. So it was just, it was so hard because I was looking after all these women and these beautiful babies, healthy babies. And then even some mums that hadn't looked after themselves in pregnancy and still their babies were perfect. Yeah. So it just crushed me. It was so hard to go to work. Um, Oh, yeah. So then I had about two days left of work and... It was the night before an early shift and I was like, I just don't feel right. I just feel really ugh, like yucky and Ian mm. went off tonight. So he was like, you're just tired and nervous. You're fine. And then about nine o'clock, I mm. spoke to my mum and I was like, I'm having pains in my tummy like every five minutes. She was like, you need to ring your midwife. <laughs> so I rang her and she was like, you need to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital and... I was 34 weeks and a couple of days Okay. and um, they did a VE and they said, yeah, you're, I think I was like three centimetres and um, 
they said, we think the baby's breech on the V, it feels funny. So we'll do a scan, quick scan at the bedside. So they did mm. a scan and they said, oh, did anyone mention anything about ascites to you? And I was like, no. So that's like a buildup of fluid in your abdomen. Yeah. And um, they were like, the baby, it looks like it's got ascites. And I was like, okay. Oh, they said, well, when the baby's born, we'll have to drain it on labor ward. Like they use a fine needle and drain it. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, we were in the middle of renovating our house. So we didn't, we were living in my brother's spare room. So oh. I was like, I can't have a baby right now. And I remember them saying to me, don't worry, the nursery are really good babysitters because you won't be taking him home. And I was like, oh, oh. okay. It was all kind of like such a blur though. You know yeah. what it's like when you're Oh, yeah. So um, I went on to have him the next day and his bowel had ruptured in utero. So when he was born, he looked like he was pregnant himself. He had this huge tummy and um, oh. he couldn't breathe because his <laughs> tummy was putting so much pressure onto his lungs. He couldn't open them up. Um, oh, my gosh. So I got to, yeah. <laughs> it, oh. it was intense. I yeah. got to hold him for a few minutes, but you can imagine like the room was absolutely chock-a-block full of people yeah. and they took him over to the cot and they were like, no, nah, we've got to take him down to the nursery. And then uh, probably within an hour or two, he'd been transferred to the kids' hospital and they phoned me to get consent to operate on his tummy to do a repair and a colostomy, like a stoma. Oh, Yeah. And I just remember saying like to the midwife on my ward, they're going to do a stoma. That's so strange. Like I was on that post-birth high and I was just yeah. like not really, it didn't, hadn't really sunk in like what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, that so you'd only seen him those first couple of minutes and then you were in yeah. the other hospital and then he, he was now having surgery in another hospital. So, and yeah. then did you know like how, when you could see him again and things, how did that happen? No, we didn't know how long it would be. They said, oh, it will, pro- it will take a few hours. So, yeah, I was at the hospital and I said to them, oh, I'm going home. Like, I think I was discharged for like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, five hours maybe. Like I was on the cusp and they were like, no, you're really, um, your heart rate's really high and, you know, you've just been through this. And I was like, I'm not going to maternity to listen to other babies cry while no my baby's not. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I discharged, walked to my sister's car, which was like so far away, oh. and then I went home and had like a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> so <laughs> nutritious for the first meal, and then I think I had a rest, and we ended up going up to the hospital, and it was just the most like the hospital that I used to work at, so I knew yeah. heaps of people. Yeah. It was very strange. Like I went up to them and they were like, can we help you? Like in the nursery. And I was like, oh, oh. I'm just looking for the baby. Oh, and my God. Like, oh, yeah. Well, what's his name? Like got the handover sheet out and we're like looking down it. Oh, my gosh. It's, you know, from the other side, you would know what it's like. Yeah. Easy, like. Yeah. It's another day in the office when you're a nurse. Um, yeah. But for you, you're like looking for your baby who you, you probably wouldn't yeah. even know exactly what he looked like because you'd seen him for like two minutes. Oh. Yeah, that's right. So um, then, um, yeah, we went over and saw him and, yeah, he was, like, intubated and had a bazillion cords coming off him and oh. had his tummy he was all sutured up and he had a stoma and he had, like, <laughs> yeah, it works. He had the yeah. works. Yeah, so then the next six weeks he was in the nursery and 
oh my gosh, it was a roller coaster. Like I was going in there every day and I'd had a pretty bad tear because his belly had been so huge. And I had these really tight stitches in my peri and like sitting oh. on my bum all day. There was yeah. so swollen and painful and I, I wasn't can... eating. I was like pumping all night long. Oh, it was awful. Oh, yeah. That is because you need to really, you know, like rest your, like after birth, especially when you've got like the stress of having him not there and, oh, my gosh, and then not being able to look after yourself probably because you want to put him first. I can yeah. just, oh, yeah. Really very hard. Yeah, very um, hard. Um, so he was there for six weeks all up. Yeah, he was there for about six weeks and on the fifth week he went back into surgery and had his stoma reversed and I think it was Christmas Eve that he had it reversed and he just did really well after that and they said like a couple of days later, yeah, you can take him home. Um, Yeah, see you later. (laughs) It was a bit like, you know, in that Christmas kind of period where there's like not many people there and it's kind of, yeah light on staff and they were like yeah you can take him home we've kind of gone from the real intense nursery down like the ranks yeah I could yeah when the grad started looking after us that we were obviously getting better (laughs) (laughs) exactly and so were you feeding him fine like was he um just did he have a tube or was he just being breastfed then Yeah, so he had a tube and then um, I was pumping every three hours and I got quite a good supply up and then a couple, like the day before he left or two days before he left, they took his tube out and then I was putting him to the boob and he did put weight on but I think, honestly, I think he only just scraped in. I really don't think he was ready um, looking back to be off those needs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but did you manage until you've gone through? No, no. And so then, when you brought him home, you managed to obviously. Um, if girls want to listen, we spoke about Elle's tongue-tied journey with her kids in another episode. Mm-hmm. But um, you managed to just breastfeed, or were you doing bottles as well? Like, how did it work in those months yeah, that you were feeding so him? I was breastfeeding him, and then a couple of months down the track he was so scrawny and he was just tiny with this huge belly and huge scar across his tummy he was <laughs> he was a real sight and we went to the hospital just for um like to meet the dietitian and a checkup and things and yeah. she said look he's not putting in any weight he hasn't put any weight on since he left he's just lost weight so we need a plan we need to do something else so we need to start him on formula and top him up after feeds okay and I still remember her face instantly. I was like, I hate this woman. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. Like I could not hate a person more. Ooh. I was just like, no, it just crushed my soul. Like, you know, being yeah. a midwife as well. I'm yeah. Like, I want to feed my baby. Yeah. But yeah, I was just bawling my eyes out oh. for days after and even giving him the bottle. It just felt so wrong, but it did help put some weight on him. Yeah. But again, like I got mastitis because he wasn't emptying the boob properly and then he was having the bottle. Like, yeah. Yes. It wasn't until I started him on solids at four months, not four months, five months, um, yeah. that he really put on weight and started to thrive. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so. But I did keep feeding him until 12 months. So that was good. And yeah, I didn't have to top amazing. up on solids. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing how um, he managed to attach well and actually suck from you with 
that like you know crazy start that really hard start that he had in his life like it's awesome that he's that he did actually still manage to yeah want to attach and all that when I was in the nursery one of someone I had worked with like one of my colleagues was looking after me one day and she said to me oh because I said I'm having a really hard time attaching him and she said look do you want my honest opinion just put him on the bottle here and go and find an LC in the community and sort it out when you get home. Otherwise, you're never going to leave here. And oh. I just remember thinking, you are my, you, aren't you supposed to be my friend? Like, yeah. <laughs> you not helping me? Yeah. Um, and at the time, I was like, oh, okay. But I obviously didn't. Mm. But, yeah. Oh, my was, gosh. That's a really interesting thing that she said. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And especially because we know that. You know, if we say, oh, we'll just do a bottle for now and try breastfeeding later, it's not, we know it's not going to work. Oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh. And so. so I'm um, very proud that I persevered. Oh, <laughs> I mean, what you have gone through with him, like, it's just like listening to that story, you just think you try and put yourself in that situation, you think how, you know, you keep going. But I think all the mums that I've spoken to with, with bubs that are unwell, they just say there's just the strength that, I don't know, it comes from it and you look back and you think, how did I do that? But at the point you were just doing it, is that how you feel as well? Absolutely. And you just don't have a choice. Like, yeah. what was I going to do? Like lay in bed and cry? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <it's> like, <laughs> I did a lot of that, but <laughs> I have to still get up every day and like there was still a little baby in there who needed his mum. Who needed so you. I exactly. Get on with it, really. Yeah. I remember he was born all the night after my husband and I driving home and we just said like we just have to stick together because there's no other way that we can get through this. So yeah, made a pact. We were like, no, nah, we're in this together. We're going to be tired. We're going to be like mean to each other. Like, no, nah, we've just yeah. got to stick together. Yeah, um, that's so good. Yeah. And so do you mind just telling the listeners a little bit, just a really general overview of cystic fibrosis and so Sal obviously now Ollie being nearly seven. Does it yeah. still have an impact on his life at the moment or, yeah? So um, just very, like, layman's terms. <laughs> yes, 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 do that. <laughs> um, so CF affects, well, it's a genetic disorder, chronic disease, yeah. and um, it affects mainly the respiratory system, like the lungs and the gut. So yeah. on, like, a cellular level, it affects the salt passing through the cells. So in Ollie's body, all his mucus in his body is very thick and sticky because it's got no salt. No, the salt passes through it too quickly or something like that. So, um, for example, if someone with CF gets a cold, then it can go to their lungs and they've got mucus in their lungs, which is really thick and sticky. So then it just sits in there. The bugs get in there and they just sit in his lungs. Oh, right, yeah. then... Yeah, he can't get them out and it causes scarring of the lungs. So um, when you're down the track and you're 30 years old and you've had chest infections your whole life, then your lungs are completely scarred and they no longer work. Right. Yeah, a lung transplant. Yeah, later on. Um, Okay. So it's a matter of like, so obviously for like winter, is winter like an awful time because of like worrying about whether he's going to get sick? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So... Yeah, when he was born, he went on to prophylactic antibiotics, which, again, crushed my soul, um, and he was on them for five years. Um, okay, gosh. But okay. the alternative is getting sick with yeah. a chest infection yeah, and having to go into hospital and have lots of antibiotics. So yeah. um, 
But yeah, the gut is also affected. So there's all like sticky mucus in the gut. So that's why Ollie had meconium ileus. So his tummy was blocked with the first poo and then the pressure got too much and then burst. That's what happened. Um, So yeah, he's mostly affected by tummy issues. Like, so he does like lots of like lots of poos and he gets real sore tummies and another huge part of it is that the pancreas is affected so usually our pancreas releases enzymes to digest our food yeah but with someone with cf the enzymes can't get out so if he was to eat something it would just pass through him and he wouldn't absorb any of it so we have to give him artificial we have to give him enzymes every time he eats so that he can absorb his food Otherwise, he's like, otherwise yeah, it won't, won't work. Yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. So okay. Few different factors. So we've been really lucky. Ollie hasn't had any like real significant chest infections since he's been born. Um, so we've never had to go back to the hospital. But that's right, yeah. not the case for lots of other kids. Like lots of other kids end up, you know, live most of their in time and out. in the hospital. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I hope okay. that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's no, that makes that's really good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. That's a really good yeah way of way of explaining it. And so now, then you had your two little girls, Ruby and Lucy, yeah. and they were negative for CF. Um, but I guess yeah. you always knew that you were you had this one in four chance now. Um, yeah, that, absolutely. You, know, you yeah. could always have one. And so then you had Jimmy, who's your fourth, who's just in your arms at the moment. Um, yeah. And you went through pregnancy just, it was all just fine, wasn't it, until the birth? Is that how it went? Well, when I was pregnant, again, I went for my 19-week scan with Jimmy. Okay. And then that afternoon, my midwife called me and said, he's got an echogenic bowel. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So my heart sank and sank. instantly I thought, He's got CF. I bet yeah. it's a boy and I bet, it's, I bet that he's got CF. Yeah. But we were like, it's okay, we'll go to the hospital. So I went again to King Eddie's every few weeks. And yeah. unlike Ollie's, Jimmy's bowel got better each week. Oh, and okay. they were like, no, it's no longer echogenic. It's fine. Um, go and have a beautiful birth and good luck, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and with the girls and with Jimmy, we thought we'll just wait for the heel prick test because that yeah. picks up. Yes. Yeah. Um, I didn't want another amnio. I'd just been there and done that. So, yeah, um, so oh, we'll just wait for um, the heel prick. And then I went on and every couple of weeks I was having like um, contractions and I had to go and be admitted to the hospital and I had like threatened preterm labor. So it was kind of something wasn't quite right the whole way through. Yeah. And then I ended up having him at home as I'd planned yeah. But it was super quick, like in within 60 minutes of my waters breaking. And then when he was born, he just didn't pick up. Like he, you know, a baby would usually be vigorous and screaming and he just kind of cried a little bit, but was just grunting. Uh, okay. Yeah. So we went up to the hospital and then he was on CPAP for, my midwife said to me, oh, you know, he'll be on CPAP for a few hours like 24 hours max and he was on yeah. CPAP for two and a half almost three days wow, and yeah. they were kind of not really right here but yeah anyway yeah I brought him home and um he was pooing but it was like fluoro green it was oh. so bright and I just said to my husband something's not right like, I think I don't even know if I said the words but we were thinking the same thing you know yeah yeah um yeah. 
And I said to my midwife, like, something's not right. And she's like, oh, maybe it's, um, maybe it's just that you've given him too much of the, um, you know, like the sugary milk, like we said. And, you know, it'll be fine. He's putting on weight really well and his heel prick test hasn't come back yet. So let's just wait and see that. And the heel prick test took like weeks and weeks of waiting, oh. like three weeks. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I think it had a marker or because Ollie had CF, they take it and test it more. Like, yeah, you know, do some yeah more maybe, yeah. yeah. So then last week, and then he started to get really unsettled. Like I couldn't settle him like I could settle the girls. Mm. And then last week on, <laughs> on my birthday, <laughs> oh, lovely. my 30th birthday, <laughs> I got the phone call from the hospital and it's actually the CF nurse who I know from Ollie and she oh. said like I'm so sorry to tell you but Jimmy's also got CF yeah. so yeah there was lots of tears yeah <laughs> it wasn't yeah. the best birthday <laughs> no no even though you kind of expected yeah. it you still were holding on to hope I'm sure that it wasn't yeah absolutely yep I was yeah. kind of like hoping it wouldn't be. And I didn't really say anything to anyone. Like I didn't speak the words like I think he has CF. I just kind of was thinking it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I guess you were saying that every child has CF in a different way, like experiences the symptoms in a different way. So, yeah. you know, your two boys, he could have a, a different way of different symptoms, not the tummy one. Is that right? It's just you have to wait and see. Yeah, that's right. So the good thing is last year, yeah, I think it was last year, they released a medication that actually treats the root cause of CF. So Ollie started on it when he was was five, which is like amazing in the CF community that now it's always been to treat the symptoms, but this treats like the actual cause of the um, salt imbalance. Oh, incredible. um, Yeah, so... Ollie had five years without that, but now they've said that Jimmy will start on it when he's two or maybe even sooner, so he won't have a chance to get sick. Yes, um, yeah. Like he'll still be affected, but he won't be, um, you know, looking at real lung damage or anything yeah. in his lifetime. Yeah. Yes, oh. we'll just have to wait and see. So I yeah. guess the oh, thing God. that I have to do now, which I thought would be quite interesting to um speak to you about is each time I feed him now I have to give him the enzymes so you can imagine every single breastfeed (laughs) I have to give him medication and um, it comes in like a little tiny bottle and it comes in a little (laughs) granule form and then I have to put it into applesauce and feed it to him with a spoon oh with a little (laughs) how do you get him to swallow (laughs) it how does that even work I just kind of force it into his mouth and then I have to, then I feed him after. So the milk kind of washes it down. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, oh my goodness. Like I'm feeding him a couple of times a night. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, so it's intense. So you're doing that. Oh, you're doing that every single time. He Does yeah. he quite like the applesauce now? Cause he's like, Oh, he, he does. like even the first time I gave it to him, he was like, mm, what? his little face went like, Oh yeah, this is good. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. Yeah. I oh, know. Oh, thank you. I mean, I can't even like your stories just, um, it's a really interesting and incredible story to listen to, but it's also one where you just feel like reaching out to you because you think, Oh, like it's, it, you know, yeah. chronic illness of any type. Yeah. Like it's just, it's mammoth and it's ongoing. And yeah, I think yeah. you are such a wonderful mother to your children and they really are lucky to have you. Thank um, you. Um, but Jenna, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that, 
you know, I get so many mums of bubs with that have diagnoses of all different things and just to know the stories and it's just always so helpful. So, um, yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. No worries. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really hope you got something out of it and at the very least made you feel not so alone in your breastfeeding journey. Share it with a friend who you feel may benefit from it or leave a review on your podcast streaming app. The more this podcast is shared and reviewed, the more women can benefit from this because we need to talk about breastfeeding more. Bye for now.